this. This is a football podcast, man. Meat. Football. Good. Man, we talk football. We eat burgers. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fantasy Brothers podcast. Josh Johnson and Ben Watts in the driver's seat with you talking week five fantasy football. We got my good buddy with you, Ben. How you doing, Ben? How's your week five, Ben? 50-50. Not what I was hoping for. The redraft leagues went about 50-50. The dynasty leagues went about 50-50. My favorite dynasty... or. Not my favorite dynasty team. Like I have my two favorite leagues are they are a dynasty team, but one of them is like five and zero, doing great, just kind of trucking along. The other one I thought should be really good, and we have just lost to potentially one of the worst teams in the league. So <laughs> it's it's not good. It's in a bit of a free fall. I think is the word you used, and it's. I don't want to call out any players in sp- in particular, but it's a hundred percent Jonathan Taylor's fault. <laughs> Not even close. It is. It could be Kyle Pitts' fault as well. It it is. Yeah, it's the combination of Javante Williams, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, and Kyle Pitts all deciding to personally. Like that's a humble murder. brag. Like just stud elite talent on this team, right? Young elite talent. Like the oldest one of those guys is Jonathan Taylor at 23 years old. And they are burying me right now. (laughs) To be fair, mostly injuries, except for Kyle Pitts. We don't know what the crap that is. That is an Arthur Smith Uh, conundrum. Well, he was, he's been hurt this week too, which actually helped me out because I was able to start Tyler Higby instead, who got me 10 points. That's Instead the most of gotten from your tight end all year, it literally is, and you lost. So we're having fun. We got a fun episode for you today. We got full recap of Week Five. We've got our takeaways. We've got Ben's favorite segment, the Weekly Weenies. Weekly Weenies back after missing a week. I'm very excited about it. The players on the list may not be so excited. <laughs> It'll be a fun time, uh, but I guess before we get into all that, we've got Matt Rule was fired today, October 10th, by the Carolina Panthers. I'm impressed uh, he made it this far. Honestly, yeah. It, it seems like he was probably going to get fired last year, and then they gave him one more go at it. Just they said you, if you can get a quarterback, they'll keep him, and Baker, really, that was your best shot, Matt? Honestly, what's crazy is everybody thought that Baker was going to be an improvement, and he has been maybe worse than Sam Darnold was a year ago. He's been the same. It is which fascinating makes me wonder how bad they are. Is how much of it is the quarterback, and how much of it is Matt Rule? Obviously, there's no love loss for Baker on this show, but. I thought he was a fair amount better than Sam Darnold, and for him to come out and look the same, I don't know. What do you, I don't know what you think, but I, I don't really know because it, it probably 
a fair bit of the blame does land on Matt Rule's shoulders for sure. But on the other hand, Baker has shown in the past that he is not he's not the quarterback that makes other players better. Oh, he's no. the quarterback that is kind of dragged along by other good players. Uh, it, it felt like in Cleveland yeah. they were always masking his deficiencies, if that makes sense. He had Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to bail him out. Exactly. And a really, and a really good defense. And a very good offensive line. So he always had time. Like, he was never under duress. Rarely, I guess, was he under duress. And if you give, frankly, NFL quarterbacks are very good quarterbacks at other levels. Um, and so, like, if you just let them have time, they're going to figure out ways to beat you. Like, they're just, even the bad ones are good in the NFL. They're, you know, one of the 32 best whatever at their position in, in the, the world. world. So, if you allow them to beat you, they'll beat you. All of them. Uh, but, you know, Baker Mayfield, at, by NFL standards, is not a good quarterback. No. And he has, I mean, he's got DJ Moore, who we think on here is a great receiver. Robbie Remember Anderson. When we thought DJ Moore would be a top 15 wide receiver this year. Yeah, that did not age well. Yeah, we it? were wrong. <laughs> that one didn't work. Um, and I don't know why, because DJ Moore's great. And theoretically, if you give him targets, he's going to be good. But you're sort of seeing this thing also with another guy who you think is good, Deontay Johnson who's getting 11 targets a week and sucking. So it really yeah. comes down, like if if your offense is bad, it just doesn't matter how good of a player you are. There's only so much you can overcome. Everybody who was tweeting all offseason like, yeah, just, you know, Deontay Johnson, just give him targets. He's going to be great. He's going to be a top 10 wide receiver again because he's going to get targeted 12 times a game. He's currently getting targeted 11 times a game, and he's like the wide receiver 40 or something. So like the quarterback matters. The quarterback matters a large amount and Baker Mayfield is not the answer neither is Sam Darnold so I think part of that is the reason why Matt Rule was fired he could not figure out the quarterback and what's really unfortunate is there's a lot of pieces to build around outside of quarterback on this Panthers team the defense is by all accounts pretty good um, the offense is terrible but it's mostly because they have not had a great offensive line in the past. That is improving, trending up and to the right. But they have had abysmal quarterback play. And you just can't win in the NFL with bad quarterback play. No. It's not possible. Maybe back in the day when you had just like smothering defense and super good running games, but not these days. Definitely not. So, you know, it remains to be seen if the Panthers sort of right the ship rest of season. I would expect the next couple of weeks they'll look better just because it always seems to happen that way. When a coach gets fired, the interim coach just, like, brings a different approach <laughs> to things. Because he's been watching the mistakes all year, and he's like, all right, I'm not going to do any of that. Yeah. It, it just it always seems to happen that way. The interim coach steps in and for the first like two or three weeks, the whole team looks infinitely better. And like everybody says, wow, that previous coach, he stunk. Uh, but then things kind of come back to earth and you know, the truth, the truth is the truth once again. So 
the Panthers probably are not going to have a great season. I would expect the next couple of weeks for them to look a little bit better and then things to kind of right themselves again. Okay. They they just need to rebuild. That's that's where their team's at right now. They're struggling. Uh, another kind of group, so you could say, that is struggling are the referees. Well, one we in got particular. In here, one specific refing crew that apparently everyone hates. Why don't you give us... You were, you're the resident Falcons expert here. This was in the Atlanta Buccaneers game. Why don't you give us the whole picture, paint it for us, let us know how I'm honestly... Works okay that it happened (laughs) because the Falcons in their infinite wisdom are out here trying to win games we're like Marcus Mariota (laughs) gives us the best chance to win games we're going to go out there and put him we need to be doing exactly what Carolina is doing we need to be rebuilding so we play a tight coach Uh, that's that's a different conversation yes (laughs) but we, we we go out here and try to play the Bucks competitive and we do. Now, there's no guarantee that we would have scored had that penalty not been thrown. But I'm more mad at the Falcons for trying to win this game. <laughs> By penalty, Guys, you mean the softest roughing the passer call maybe in the history of the NFL. You mean where he picked up Tom Brady, laid him down, put a blanket on top of him, and tucked him in? That, yeah, that one. Yeah, that, that one. one. Yep. Yeah, that one. That was, a, that was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. <laughs> like the he best did part is he Arthur did Smith's reaction to the call. Oh yeah, I saw it. Did you do you did you read his lips? No, I didn't see what he said. I just saw his like the face that he made was very angry. Oh yeah, when he like I, I, I I'll tell you what he said when he read lips. Uh well, we can't say it on here. I'll tell you after the episode. But um yeah, that was that referee should be suspended. He really should. It's a rough call. That's that's horrible. Why do we hop into week five? Week five. Let's talk. All right. It is a running back heavy themed episode this week. We've got three sort of tiers here. Ben, why don't you lead us through it? Lead our walk us through the maze that has been the running back landscape this season. There's kinda there's kind of three three big parts to this season so far. And we'll start out with kind of I don't know if it's not not necessarily the easiest, but the maybe the most exciting and sort of predictable, sort of not the rookies rising up. It happens every year. You you know the first couple of weeks are usually pretty tough because they're rookies. But we predicted Brees Hall would you know he'd be a slow start. They always they've been saying Michael Carter's a starter. Yada 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 yada. But the talent is coming through. You always bet on talent profile. Brees Hall was the clear, amazing talent profile. And it is showing. The past, I mean, he's been pretty good to start out, but the past few weeks, it is, he's really popping. It's coming. He's happening. It's, it's kind of like, you know, what happened with Jonathan Taylor, like we said. Eventually, as the season goes on, he's going to win out, and he's going to be a stud. And he is. Uh... A little bit different story with Kenneth Walker. I know you'll probably have a lot to say about him. But it's it's weirder in Seattle because I don't think Pete Carroll was going to relinquish the starting job to anybody but Rashad Penny. But guess what? Rashad Penny just broke his leg. I think it was a fractured tibia. 
He's out for the season. It's Kenneth Walker's season. The breakout's on. Let's go. Damian Pierce is the real deal. I don't know how long, how, how could, you know, in future years if Texans will be committed to him, but he's here. The talent's there. The workload is there. The, it's Damian Pierce season. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, these rookies are, I guess, the three rookies that everybody was really paying attention to coming into the season. Brees Hall right now is the RB6, I believe, in fantasy football, pending tonight's result. So that's where he's been. That's where amazing. Jonathan Taylor finished his rookie year, was RB6. Yeah, and Brees probably will finish about there. And Brees I would is, imagine. And jo- Jonathan Taylor was not there at this point in the season. No. Jonathan Taylor had a much slower start because, you know, he, there was the he initial exploded like, week at the one. End. Right. He had, I remember there was about that month straight of like Dalvin Cook prime-esque sort of production. He was giving you like 30 points a week and it was just ridiculous. Um, yeah. Brees Hall is there right now. He is, you know, he just, he just came off of 200 all-purpose yards and a touchdown. He could have had legitimately 200 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, but he people, stopped on the one-yard line twice. People were worried about Michael Carter in the passing game, and you and I both have been saying this all offseason. With the talent profile and the and the receiving workload he had at um, Iowa State, like we're not worried about that. And guess what? He's catching a ton of passes. Like The receiving workload is there, so that means he has an elite ceiling. Yeah, I believe, I could be wrong here, but I think he is second amongst all running backs in terms of targets right now. That's crazy. Um, I think he was number one prior to this week, but I think Austin Eckler jumped him because uh, they only had two targets. But on those two targets this past week, Brees Hall had two catches for 100 yards. So he's Can't good. expect that <laughs> every week, but... No, you, you cannot. But if he's going... like. That kind of performance, I think he only had maybe 17 touches and ended up with 200 all-purpose yards. That's the kind of performance where the team goes, oh, okay, this is a superstar. We need to give him the ball because when he gets the ball, great things happen for our team and we win. They scored 40 points, just, probably in large part to Brees Hall being dominant. So. That's just that, a crazy talent coming showing through. Like you, you knew he was talented, and yeah, yeah. So Brees Hall, rest of season. He is the 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 window to buy him was prior to this past Sunday. Um, you're two. You should have bought him two weeks ago. You really you should have bought him at the beginning of the season, just betting on the talent. Uh, if if you were listening to what we were saying, Brees Hall was a buy up until probably two weeks ago when his price got pretty excessive. Now, unless you're dealing now with idiots, ridiculous. there's no chance you can get him. I mean, it is you're having to pay a lot in in dynasty leagues. It's you're you're starting at two firsts value plus probably something else. So, Brees Hall is he's very exciting. I'm very excited to have him on one of my dynasty teams. So, him aside, we we knew he was going to be great. Kenneth Walker, though, I, I definitely did want to talk about him, and it's not at all related to the fact that I traded Dalvin Cook. You just got him. (laughs) For Kenneth Walker, Michael Pittman, and some change. Yeah, Kenneth Walker, now I feel like a genius 
um, because I was really just betting on him. It was it was a talent bet. It was Kenneth Walker. I think you were kind of like good at some sort point. of throwing in the towel for this season a little bit. A little bit. I really was because Dalvin Cook was sucking, and it was like, all right, I've got to get out from under him. My team is not in a position to win the league right now. I need to get some younger value. Kenneth Walker was that guy that I was like, you know, they've got the draft capital. He's a second-round pick. Seattle, he's going to be the guy for them at some point. Maybe not this season because Rashad Penny's I feel like it's a... It's another one. You're betting on that talent profile. He checks all the exactly. boxes, except for the receiving workload, but I'm not super worried about that. He should be fine. But like other than yeah. that, he and Brees Hall checked every single box you were looking for. So Yep. And so now, unfortunately, Rashad Penny breaks his leg, and you, know, you feel terrible because Rashad Penny is a very, very good player. He just yeah. can't seem to stay healthy, which is super unfortunate. Um, I have so enjoyed watching him play as a Seahawks fan the past few years um like wish him the best with another team because obviously it's it's going to be Ken Walker's team from here on out but someone else will give him a shot I can't imagine that they bring him back with the state of the roster and the amount of money that he probably will I mean somebody's probably going to want to pay him like he's he's somebody will get healthy yeah so I can't imagine Rashad Penny comes back. So I, I feel terrible on that one in that sense, yes. But Kenneth Walker, I'm so excited. One is a fan, and then two, I just feel like a genius because I just traded for him. So there's that. So I'm very biased here. Victory and lapping. You're gonna, to, you're gonna have to help me from you know not victory lapping this. But yeah, you were you were texting me. Was it yesterday or like earlier today? You're like. Okay, so I start Ken Walker from here on out, right? I'm like, okay, well, let's back up here a second. Let's, yeah, so I still want to give him another week kind of thing. This is this is the interesting situation. He is absolutely the waiver wire pickup of the season at this point. I think that's fair to say. If he's on your waiver wire, you win. You're probably – I hate I, – I don't want to be, you know, over the top here, but I feel like he's probably a top 15 running back rest of season. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I, I would say top 20, probably. I think you can more or less put him roughly where Rashad Penny was, but I don't think Rashad Penny was top, at least rest of the season, probably not top 15 on people's radars. I could be wrong. But See, I wasn't, I wasn't all we'll, in on And Penny we'll talk about some Walkie other guys later on. Out. Yeah, we'll talk about some other guys later on too, because like, Top fifteen, like that—that that is a big. There's a bunch of guys who are really good up there, so I don't know. I think. Yeah, it's it's interesting though. It's ma- an interesting discussion. Yeah, maybe I'm just too early, kind of jumping at it because I've got him in a league because I'm excited about him because I'm a Seahawks fan. So, if you're listening to this, just sort of bake all of that in to what you're hearing me say. I do think, and you know. I guess this is unfortunate for the people we're in leagues with because I'm about to tell you what I just did was there's one league that Walker's on the waiver wire and I spent every single fab dollar I've got trying to get him. <laughs> so he is worth 100% of your fab. I, I don't think you want to be the guy that is kind of hedging and going like 50% because you feel like he's don't really good. Don't miss out. Yeah, this is, this is the player that you drop all your fab on and you just live with it. Like... It, 
he's going to be better than Elijah Mitchell was last year. I, I think, and Elijah Mitchell was top 20. Um, and the reason I say that is because the Seahawks offense thus far has been phenomenal. They've been so much better than we thought they would be. Geno Smith has been a revelation. The offensive line has been better than it's been in years. Um, you've got the receivers, so you can't just stack the box against them. Um, it, like, there's going to be opportunities for Kenneth Walker to dominate, and their schedule is a fourth-place schedule. So they are playing juicy matchups. And the division, honestly, hasn't really looked great outside of the 49ers. Like, the Rams don't look good. The Cardinals don't look good. It's, yeah, it's not the same NFC West of years past. So there are, these teams can be gotten. Um, And I think that Kenneth Walker is going to have a good season, rest of season. Yeah. That leads us to Damian Pierce. Devontae Adams just had a 60-yard touchdown. Holy God. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. We're watching Monday Night Football while we're doing this. Yeah. Um, let's see here. What do I need? What do I need now? Where am I at? Uh, Damian we, Pierce. We, oh, you're you're looking at your, your team. Yeah. No, Damian Pierce. Okay. We're going to get back on track. Damian Pierce, he's been phenomenal. Um, he's got such, like, that contact balance. You know, we people say that, and it it's such a... Um, it's what they talk about when they talk about like Camara and those guys. Yeah, it's like, it's like a buzzword almost. But Damian Pierce just is so difficult to tackle, and he gets all the carries. I think he had 26 carries Sunday for 100 we yards. We were so like worried that. about him being uh, like only a first and second down running back, but it doesn't matter. He is every single down. He's the whole running game. He is essentially the James Robinson of a couple years ago. He's on a bad team, but he gets all the work, therefore he's effective. Yeah. The problem is, similar to James Robinson, the team may draft a running back in the first couple rounds this coming year to replace him. You don't, like, Damian Pierce is good enough that I don't think you should. Like, there's other things to address on the roster, but because he has that lower draft capital, you could see that happening. Um, but f- like for this season, Damian Pierce, I think you would say he's probably top fifteen. Yeah, probably. And like it if just like even though it may not be more than a couple of years, I mean you just you have it and you live with it and just be be enjoy it while you got it kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, Brees, Ken Walker. Damian Pierce, they're revelations. If you got them on your teams, you're feeling great right now. Yeah. That leads us into the uh, the guys that you thought were going to be great that have the absolutely section. not been great. The I, I, t- I lovingly titled this section, The Primes Are Pooping. And <laughs> <laughs> these are the guys who you drafted high, they're young, they're elite, you expected them to be awesome, and they're not. Let's start off with Jonathan Taylor. He was injured this past week, but outside of week one, he hasn't really done anything. So, yeah, that's fun. Najee Harris, I mean, what in the what in the world, Najee? Najee, I think, got out-snapped this week by, I can't even remember the backup's name. But Jalen Warren. Got out Hold on, let's let's talk Jaylen about Najee Warren. here for just a second. We have we were talking about him yesterday, 
there's a guy in one of our leagues that has a pretty garbage roster outside of Najee Harris. And we were talking about Najee Harris's trade value. So redraft dynasty, it's a little bit different here. In dynasty, right? Najee Harris coming into the season was a top five dynasty running back, you know, universally accepted. At this point in the season, with four straight, five straight now duds, like what do you do with Najee Harris? I are you talking dynasty or redraft? I guess both. Um, I mean, redraft it seems a bit more straightforward. He's on a bad offense. He has not produced. It seems like it's a bit of a whiff of a pick in the first round now. Yeah, the I'm just looking at the schedule he's got left, and it's it's really a brutal stretch that he's got coming up soon, which I think could, in Dynasty and Rejaft, open up a fairly decent buy-low window on him. But, like, next week he's got Tampa. That's a brutal run defense. Miami has a good defense after that. Then he's got Philadelphia. They have a good defense, and he's on bye. Then he's got New Orleans. Okay, New Orleans should just give up a, a million yards. But still, under on a horrible offensive line with a brand-new quarterback in Kenny Pickens. Like, what's, Pickett? what's really Kenny, – <laughs> Kenny Pickett, whatever. <laughs> but, like, his snap percentage – and obviously it can't be what it was last year because he literally played, like, every single down. But he's at, like, 59%, 71%, and then 80 and 75. Those are really good. And then 49% this past week. So, I think you you probably just have to hold him if you're in Dynasty or Redraft. Unless you, you want to rebuild and just get what you can for Najee Harris, fine. He is older for a guy who's only in his second year. He's 24. He'll be 25. So, that's, you know, that's something to think about. Of course... He's still in his rookie contract. He was taken in the first round so they could exercise a fifth-year option. But still, the age is a factor. Yeah, I think you you honestly may just be stuck with him at this point. You just have to hope hope for better days. Yeah, because you obviously don't want to trade him now for what he's worth. I think somebody will give you... You can't trade him for pennies on the dollar. Right. I think somebody will give you one first-round pick for him. But coming into the season, he was worth two first-round picks plus something else on top. And I don't think you'll get anything remotely close to that right now. I don't think you do. Um, And in redraft, like you just – maybe there's somebody that will buy the name. um, And you you sort of would bet on the talent and expect it to improve at some point. But – Five straight weeks, like it just doesn't look like improvement is in the cards for this season. It looks like this is just going to be a dud season. Um, I don't see anybody really wanting to buy Najee in your redraft leagues. Like I feel like you are truly stuck with him in redraft right now. Yeah, I think you you just hope hope things improve, and if not, you just got to take your L. Yeah, Travis Etienne, Cam Akers. Similar, what were they? Third, fourth round uh, startup picks. Yeah, they they probably went around the same area. Obviously, ETN has been sort of overshadowed by James Robinson. Cam Akers has just though flat this out week he was not better. been productive. So yeah, 
that that is the weird thing with etn do you buy etn even in redraft now where nobody has touched him um do you buy low on him for pennies on the dollar and hope that he overtakes the backfield a little bit yeah i still think you can buy low on etn i don't have a problem with that i would not buy low on cam Akers. i think See, it's still it's still so tough because yes, I think Cam Akers is not what we thought he was, but the outside of Cooper Cup, that entire offense is just horrible. Yeah. So they've been I, I so put bad. 50-50 like part of the blames on Akers, but part of it is that team is just difficult to watch. And part of the whole reason you were buying into acres as a player was the fact that they thought the offense was good but the offense is awful Um, i thought he would have scoring opportunities he has had one touchdown and it was like he had to power through a bunch of guys on like a 14 yarder i like is that offense even going to improve at all you would expect with sean mcveigh they would figure things out but matt stafford has looked bad no receivers outside of cooper cup have been effective the offensive line's been bad the running game's been bad. And what's crazy with Akers is his backup, Darrell Henderson, has looked equally terrible. So it's not like somebody's stealing his job because he's been bad. Granted, he is not no, been Akers good. is out snapping him because he's not as horrible as Henderson. <laughs> but that's not even to say that he's been good either. Like, both of no. them have been bad, and I don't know whether like, it's because Akers is bad or the offensive line is horrific and there's nothing to get. I'll blame some on Acres too. Like I watched a fair amount of the Dallas um, Rams game yesterday, and there was one play in particular that stood out. It was kind of a zone handoff to the right, and things kind of just opened up in the middle. So if Acres had just cut up the middle, I mean, he had like 30 yards he could have run. Like it would have been a huge play. And he just runs into the offensive line for like a loss of a yard when he could have, if he had any kind of vision, he would have seen just a gaping hole. Love that. <laughs> so Love that. Acres has been so it's, tough. Yeah. And we are, we're maybe one of the last Acres stands podcasts Still out there. hanging on to the slightest bit of hope. I'm, gonna let you, I'm not going to level with you guys. This is just us. You're probably screwed if you have acres. <laughs> yeah, I I do think that it might. I think if you, you have to jump in the boat good. with us because you're stuck with him too. So like, yeah. you might as well join us and just have like a little bit of hope. Like, well, maybe. So if you can get a decent offer for him, I guess one. What's a decent offer look like? And if if you're not getting that offer, are you just gonna hold and hope for better days? Because he's still he's still only twenty three. So there are, there's still a scenario where he there is ends still up being a path a where things can get better. Yeah, I mean, if you can't anything that's close to a decent offer, I would sell it in a heartbeat. But if no, if if people are just trying to buy him for pennies on the dollar, then no, you just hold him and and hope for better days. So in Dynasty, what is the offer that convinces you to move in right now? Any first. <laughs> Fair enough. Any first yeah. at all. That leads us to the final two primes that are pooping. It is Miles Sanders and A.J. Dillon. 
I have experienced the A.J. Dillon train myself. Personally, I've started him every week except week one when he was good. So it's been terrible. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you about A.J. Dillon, dude. Like, he's he's a great player on an offense that splits up their running back carries. And it's it's just not... It, it does not seem to be a situation that is going to produce fantasy success. Not at the moment, though. I would love for him to take over the backfield at some point. Um, but And maybe it happens next year. Maybe they move on from Aaron Jones as it's a still cap a casualty. Split this year, though. Right. I don't think A.J. Dillon can be what we want him to be unless there's no Aaron Jones there. Yeah. For sure. Miles Sanders, he also is in a split backfield. But the backfield is really split between him and his quarterback. (laughs) And Jalen Hurts is siphoning everything. He's getting the lion's share of the rushing work from the running backs. But he's splitting 50-50 with his quarterback. (laughs) So this is is less on Miles Sanders Sanders hurting you and more Jalen Hurts ripping your heart out. Pretty much. It is it's kind of the Josh Allen scenario with his running backs. Except Miles Sanders is better than all the running backs in Buffalo. Miles Sanders oh, yeah. has, Dude, if Miles is Sanders having a was great in Buffalo, year. holy crap. <laughs> Miles Sanders is having a phenomenal year. He has um, been it's just not translating. I mean, he's still up until last week, he was like the RB five on the year. Up until no. this week. So I guess I, I put his name in here. It's not really his fault. Honestly, of all the guys that we've mentioned, JT, Najee, ETN, Akers, AJ Dillon, he has looked the best of all those guys this year. Well, JT does have he has that thirty point week one against Houston. Outside of that, it's been rough. Uh, but yeah, Sanders has been more efficient if you look at the season as a whole, and he is on a better offense than all of those guys as well. That's true. He is on an elite offense, which we didn't realize we wanted pieces of, but we want pieces of that offense. Yeah. Getting into some veterans that have looked good, however, the um, revitalized, maybe, rejuvenated. Yeah, maybe, maybe they were not good early, but it looks like things are starting to get back into shape. Um, all these guys, I think at one point or another, we were worried about. Uh, but let me read this out for you. This is just the week five standings, again, pending the Monday night football results. So that's not in here. But. Austin Eckler, we were worried about him. He was the RB1 on the week. Leonard Fournette, he's been underperforming, RB2 on the week. Derek Henry, two straight good weeks in a row, the RB4 on the week. Nick Chubb, he's been great, RB5 on the week. Dalvin Cook, we've been selling him left, right, and center. I just sold him myself, RB6 on the week. Uh, Alvin Kamara, RB7, and Christian McCaffrey comes in at RB9. So all these guys finished top 10. It looks it looks a lot more youngest, normal in that top ten. Youngest guys on those lists are Chubb and Christian McCaffrey at twenty six. Yeah, <laughs> the, these guys that we've been expecting good things from that just haven't performed finally performed. I guess the I think, question uh, for you, Ben, is is it prescriptive? Oh, that's what I was gonna kind of start talking about. Is I think a lot of us were like, okay, well, you know, twenty seven is kind of the, where the running back cliff hits, and most of these guys are there. 
So is it finally happening? And this week they all kind of said, no, we still got juice in the tank. Eckler has that, my gosh, he has exploded. And we kind of, we've kind of mentioned this before, like the workload's been there. I'm not too worried about that. If he, if he starts scoring touchdowns, he's going to kill you. And it, it happened. Nick Chubb has been on a scoring machine. Dalvin Cook just woke up finally. And Christian McCaffrey's still Christian McCaffrey. Um, I would be worried. I think Eckler could be should be still prescriptive. Chubb still pretty prescriptive. You're not worried about Christian McCaffrey. I'm not worried about Henry. Uh, the guys I'm probably worried about on this list that we mentioned, Fournette could be have up and down. Camaro still could be up and down. Dalvin Cook is going to be more up and down. But I won't be surprised if it keeps going. Yeah, the only issue with Fournette is Rashad White. Um, Fournette is the RB1 in the offense, and he's obviously going to get a lot of passes from Brady, who's going to check it down to him. But you're right. I mean, he is he's risky. I expect him to be good going forward, but he's he, he carries some innate risk because of the split in the backfield. It looks like Rashad White is a very good player. So he's going to get his snaps and that eats into Fournette's workload. Dalvin Cook, I think he's just struggled because it's been lack of touchdowns and he finally got two of them. But it feels like the Minnesota Vikings want to throw the ball in close and Cook just hasn't produced that way. Yeah, he's it's shifted from Dalvin Cook as the centerpiece of the offense to Justin Jefferson as the centerpiece of the offense. And Cook obviously still plays a huge role his workload's been there, so like you kind of still expected like this is gonna happen eventually with him getting twenty touches a game, but yeah. Are any of these guys uh guys that you're trying to sell high on their performance this past week, or are you are all of them I guess prescriptive for rest of season success, or are there any of them that you're like move them now that they've performed? Um I might be willing to move on Camara just a little bit because, and it's not because of Camara at all. The Witch Doctor has been one of my favorite players for a very long time, but Taysom Hill is pissing me off. <laughs> I hate, 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 hate Taysom Hill. He's been doing this for years. Camara could have had like 50 this week. If it weren't for Taysom Hill. He definitely could have. Definitely so. could have. Yeah. All right, let's hop into our week five takeaways uh, before we get into our weekly weenies to kind of close things out. Uh, ben, your main takeaway from week five is what? The Super Bowl hangover is very real. The Rams and the Bengals both do not look good this season. They do not. They look very bad. They are both very beatable teams. The Rams, I think, especially here because... Well, I don't even really know what because. Because they are... They look horrific, frankly, on offense. Their defense is fine, but they look horrific on offense. And I I thought it was because they didn't have a deep threat, but I'm not even sure that would fix things. Like, when Van Jefferson comes back... He is the deep threat. I don't know that that means things get better. I think it is kind of a holistic thing here. Their offense 
as a whole is not great. Matt Stafford is not great. The offensive line's bad. The running game's bad. Outside of Cooper Cup, it is rough sailing for the Rams offense. Yeah, Allen Robinson, my gosh, what a flop. Lord. Lord. They spent and you switch to the Bengals, and it's the, it's the same thing. Like the Rams, like one of the problems with Akers and all that, the offensive line play is just horrible. Like the running backs are getting hit behind the line of scrimmage more plays than they're not. Like it's bad. Stafford is under incredible pressure, and it's the same thing with Joe Burrow. Like the Bengals, it they, they can't seem to get a ton going in the running game. It feels like they're always in – third and eight, third and ten, they're not converting third downs, and it's mostly because of the offensive line. And they're going to have to adjust because people are, yeah, they saw Jamar Chase. They know Jamar Chase is amazing, but they're planning for him to be doing that, and they've kind of taken that away, and I don't feel like the Bengals are really adjusted very well. No, they've they've struggled, and I think – I think the NFL is sort of picking up on their tendencies and what they want to do. And Zach Taylor has, I think, struggled to sort of adapt in his play calling tendencies. And so their offense is not nearly as explosive right now as it was a year ago. I'm of the two teams. I'm less worried about the Bengals because they've been in some close games and they've, they're winning games and they are playing they're starting to improve a little bit. They're still not great, but they're looking, I guess, better than they were at the very beginning of the season. So I think they will figure it out as things go along. But it's taking way longer than we thought or hoped it was going to. So, But as for the Rams, I am starting to panic a little bit. Yeah, the Rams, I think, are in a spot where their season is, over the next their couple weeks, is very much in jeopardy. Se- Absolutely. Like they, there is a very real possibility they do not make the playoffs because I think the 49ers are the team to beat in that division. And I don't know that the Rams will get a wild card spot at this point. I don't know. My main takeaway from the week is that the Seahawks offense is actually good for fantasy. Are you, <laughs> uh, before we do this, are you sure you want to say this? Because last week I made the mistake of saying that Detroit, defensive and offensively, are amazing for fantasy, and that did not work this week. Well, they did. They did play the Patriots. So if there was any team that was going to shut them down, it would be the Patriots. Okay, um, that's fair. I, I, I think that Detroit is probably going to be fine. Maybe not the number one offense rest of season, but probably fine. Amon Ross St. Brown was injured. Uh, DJ Chark was injured. Uh, like DeAndre Swift, DeAndre is, not Swift there. is injured. Yeah, it, it did not affect them against Seattle because, frankly, Seattle's defense is not that much better than Detroit's defense. It might actually be worse. So Detroit. I think they'll from that. They'll get back on track because they have a bye next week, and then they're. I, at least from everything I've read, they're planning to bring back DeAndre Swift fully healthy after the bye. He's been, like, kind of in and out, but I think they were just keeping him out until to give him three weeks, essentially. Yeah, and they're also going to bring back Jamison Williams after the bye. So they're going to come Are they back. really? Yeah, I think that that's oh. what I read that the GM wants to do. So they're going to come back 
significantly healthier after the bye than what they've looked like the past couple of weeks. So I, th- I think I think they'll be fine. Um, Seattle's offense looks five weeks in. They've been great, um, not just good, but great. Geno Smith is currently the QB four in fantasy football. Wow, that is unbelievable. This is prior to Monday night, so Patrick Mahomes hasn't played yet. But right, so he probably finishes QB five after this week, I would imagine. But still, I mean, he's been so 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 good. He's number one in QBR, number one in completion percentage in the NFL. Uh, he's got more passing yards and touchdowns than Russell Wilson. Not saying much, but you know that trade. Say, that's 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 not that impressive these days. He's been so good, and what it's resulted in, though, this is this is the really surprising stuff. Tyler Lockett, he's currently the wide receiver seven in fantasy football. I was that's shook incredible. when you told me that earlier. That's incredible. He's had four straight weeks of double-digit fantasy points and half PPR scoring. Uh, obviously, better in PPR. He's been great. DK Metcalf, currently wide receiver 20. Um, that that will be better because it's DK Metcalf. So I, the offense feels like you can count on them for fantasy. And as unfortunate as Rashad's, Rashad Penny's injury is, it kind of narrows down the focus. It's one less variable um, because now it's, it's Kenneth Walker. There's not that two-headed backfield anymore. DJ Dallas probably still... Steals third down, like passing work and stuff. But Kenneth Walker is the RB one in the offense for sure. It's undisputed. the The two wide receivers are. There's really not much competition outside of them for catches for targets. And Geno Smith has looked, I mean, so surprisingly good. I do not think he finishes the season as a top five quarterback. But the way he's going, I mean, you have to imagine he's a top twelve fantasy quarterback, and that just it really starts there. It is Geno Smith has been great. The offensive line has looked infinitely better than it has in the past few years. And they have a run game. They have a bad defense. So they're going to have to put up points. They're going to yep. be in shootouts more than you would think. And that's going to result in good fantasy scores. It's pretty much the same reason I said Detroit last week because you combine a bad defense with an offense that all of us underrated and yeah you've got a you've got a good time pretty much hit us with the weekly weenies on our way out finishing it off strong or weak whichever way you like to look at it this is kind of the screw you edition because i've got a couple screw used for each guy number one the biggest weenie of the week and it's i don't know whose fault it is but I'm going to blame it on Zach Taylor. And it's freaking T. Higgins. Zero. Zero. They, 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 like, and they said the injury was from last week. All right. Well, let's talk about this injury from last week. He came out of the <laughs> game against Miami. This is on Thursday night football, mind you. So he's had 10 days to get healthy. He came out of the game with an ankle injury, but came back in the game and was fine. And he's been practicing. It's been limited, but they said, like, he's just just, just precaution. He's fine. We're just going to be limited, keeping him limited, keeping him limited. And Sunday they said, yeah, T. Higgins is full, good to go. And they hey, targeted him zero times. Zach Taylor comes out and is like, you know, he was good to go in case we needed him. Well, it looks like you needed him, Zach, because you lost the game. 
But that's screw you, Zach Taylor. T. Higgins is on the weekly weenies. <laughs> Moving on. Um, Miles Sanders is on the weekly weenies, and it is entirely Jalen Hurts' fault. You do not need two rushing touchdowns from the one-yard line. You can give one of them to Miles Sanders. It is okay to do that. Screw you, Jalen Hurts. Next, <laughs> Najee Harris. It's you, You're on the weekly the weekly weenie year, all right? This He's has been the yearly weekly weenies. The yearly weekly weenie. And this is screw you to the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line. Give my man something to work with. Next, Jared Goff. People were crowning you the next Patrick Mahomes, I think, because of how good he's been this year. And screw you, Bill Belichick. You are better than all of us. You know how to shut <laughs> Bill, people down. <laughs> Bill Belichick did his job and made Jared Goff look like Jared Goff. <laughs> Bill does what Bill always does and just it's not fun when your fantasy players play New England because Bill will take them out of the game and you're just pissed off the entire time. It's, Next, it's, it's Elijah stuff. Moore. Everybody is like, or not everybody, this is more you, is always like convinced like Elijah Moore is really good. Four targets, one catch for like five yards. Yep. Bro, what are you doing? This is this is kind of a combination. Screw you, Zach Wilson, and screw you, Brees Hall and Michael Carter for just dominating that game. Lastly, Christian Kirk. Screw you, Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars as a whole <laughs> for fooling us into thinking you might actually be a good team. You're not. You lost 13-6 to to the Texans, and Christian Kirk had one catch. Garbage. Absolute human scum. <laughs> scum. Oh, man, we're going for him. You want to know something really, really sad about Elijah Moore? What? He had he hasn't had double year, digits all year. Uh, yes, that he's he's been awful this year. But he had a better yards per route run and targets per route run than Jalen Waddle a year ago. And look wow. at where we're at now. Pain, suffering, sadness. And I don't know if it's going to get any better soon because it's the Brees Hall show, which is great because I love Brees Hall. That'll do it. For this episode of the podcast. Very aggressive ending. <laughs> Very aggressive. Check us out on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore. Uh, we've got the Discord community linked there. We also have a Patreon if you want to support the show. That is also in the Instagram bio over there. It'll also be linked in the show notes. We're going to try to start putting out articles every week for people to be reading. Yeah, we're going to try and get Ben to earn his keep here. Hopefully, we'll see some articles, some weekly rankings and things on Patreon, so you don't want to miss out on that. I don't want to toot my own horn, but the uh, weekly rankings were pretty accurate this week, so pretty pretty helpful stuff over there. Uh, yeah, that'll do it for this episode. We'll see you again this week, probably talking waivers or next week or something or whatever we're doing, because we don't plan these ahead, because why would we do that? No. Was that? Peace.
Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and want to connect to us, follow us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore or on Twitter at fantasybros underscore. If you want to support the show, you can do that at Patreon forward slash fantasybrothers.